Hi, everyone. This is Gustavo Serafini, the host of the Enabled Disabled podcast. I am a middle-aged Latin American male. I have uh, dark brown hair combed to the middle, and I'm wearing a blue polo shirt. I am in my living room right now, so you will see some blinds behind me and some drapes. And we are really excited to have Maya Chupkov on the show today. She is the host of a fantastic podcast called Proud Stutter. And Maya is here to share her story and her journey with her coming to become more comfortable and becoming an advocate for the stuttering community. Maya, it is a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Gustavo. Um, so my name is Maya and I am wearing a black and white plaid shirt. I have blonde hair, a fair complexion. I'm wearing glasses and I am in my office slash podcast room. Um, I have a closet in the, 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 the back with a white drape over it. And I also have a color coded bookshelf with a plant behind me. So glad to be here. Awesome. So Maya, we have a lot to talk about today and it's going to be a really good show. Can you tell us a little bit, you were born with your stutter, correct? Yeah. So I was born with my stutter ever since I first started talking. Um, I had speech issues or, you know, I had speech disfluencies. Um, I, my first language is actually Hebrew. And then as soon as I started learning English, that's when my stuttering happened. So around three years old, um, I don't have a lot of memories from that time. This is all information that was communicated to me by my mom. So um, she started noticing my stuttering in preschool. Okay. Did you... Was it something that you went to get some, some, some speech therapy for? Is that like, what was, what happened after your mom, your parents noticed that it was, it was happening? Yeah. At first my mom didn't really do anything because it's pretty normal for when kids start talking, they, you know, they, they don't have perfect speech. So she didn't start thinking about getting me speech therapy until elementary school. And so she um, had me do speech therapy through the school. The school had a speech therapist. And so I would get pulled out of class and I would go to speech therapy. Again, I don't really have a lot of memories around being in speech therapy in elementary school. I do slightly remember hating that I would get called out of class because I really liked school and I didn't like to miss out on projects and homework. I was a very dedicated and committed student. So I just love, I didn't like missing class. I, that's like my only memory associated with that. That's a period. And then my mom, since I had complained about getting pulled out of class, my mom was trying to find a private therapist that we can go to after school so I wouldn't have to miss class. And so I started taking speech therapy privately in middle school for, I think it was almost a year. And then my mom noticed improvement in my speech. So we stopped going to that therapist. Okay. And I know you talk a lot about your podcast. You ask your guests a great question, which is what is your relationship with your stutter? What is your connection to it? Um, can you kind of walk us through how in the different phases of growing up, what your connection and your relationship was to your stutter? And then we can get into all the really interesting things that you've been doing now in this this new movement that happened inside of you? My relationship with my stutter has been very wishy-washy because 
I would go through moments in my life where I was fluent. And then there were other moments when my stuttering would spring up. So I just try for most of my life to just hide my stutter as much as possible because I just didn't want to deal with that part of myself. I tried so hard to just, you know, if it came up, I would just ignore it and just keep going. And I would do everything I could with my speech to not come out, come off as a stutter. So when I came out and this is speeding up a little bit, but I'll go back, but this is relevant in that when I came out as a stutter, but people were shocked because they didn't think I had a stutter. They just thought a lot of people thought that I just was slower. My speech was slower that I would think really hard about what I was saying and I'd pause a lot. So they didn't really associate that with stuttering. They just thought I was, it was for a different reason, either because I was shy or other things. And I'd rather be labeled that than as a stutter in that time, especially through middle school and high school and college even too. And so I, yeah, I hated my stutter most of my life. I thought it definitely got in the way of pursuing a lot of things that I wanted to pursue, like being a broadcast journalist, going into journalism, trying to um, I tried acting for a little bit. I, I tried, um, I really wanted it to be in my school's play, but I was too nervous to try out because usually you try it out in front of an audience. And I just, I just, I avoided situations where I would come off as being a stutter. So I think that is where the true disability comes from is just all the avoiding strategies and all the things I avoided throughout my life. And I always just had this fear deep down that I would never be successful. I would never get married. I would never do all these things because who would want to listen to my stutter? Like that's literally what I thought my whole life. So yeah, it's been, it's been a painful journey um up until recently and did things start to did things start to change in college did you start to open up to to close friends a little bit more like as you got you know older I remember in in college for me that was a big moment of I can't I did I don't want to hide this this part of my identity this is about you know coming to terms with myself did that did you start to see that change in college or did it did it happen a little later i opened up to a few people in college and this was like my very close friends i had like three really close girlfriends and so I did open up a little bit, but not really at all. I just, I think I just did it very nonchalantly and it was like one conversation and then we never talked about it again. Um, but yeah, in college, I still was not accepting of my stutter. I still tried to avoid it and it, yeah. So it really, it wasn't until very recently that I was able to um, really talk about it. And I think <clears throat> a big part of why in hindsight, just looking back that I didn't open up about my stutter is I didn't really have a lot of close friends growing up. I switched schools in fourth grade. I just never had that good group of friends that really got to know the, the real me. So throughout grade school, it was just very surface level. So I didn't even really have, um, like if I would have had a good group of friends, maybe I would have talked about it more, but I, I didn't really have close friends until college. 
and that that's could be like stuttering because because like having a deep friendship it does require some level of opening up so that might have been um who like who knows if my stutter had an impact on that um I think that's a really, really interesting point. And in one of your latest episodes, you talked about um, the, 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 I'm sorry that I'm blanking on the, on the words here, but in San Francisco, there was recently like a, a stuttering awareness week, right? That you helped and you went and you spoke to and you mentioned the you mentioned that when you and a group of other people went to speak there, that everybody felt safe. And so I think there's this idea of creating a safe space where we can feel like we're seen, we're heard, we're accepted for who we are. And creating those communities and those bonds with people is not always easy. Um, and I think that the more we can do that, the more we can we can be ourselves and be open and be vulnerable and not be judged for those things. Yeah, exactly. And as soon as I opened up for the first time to people outside of my family and close friends, I just felt the most amazing feeling. I felt understood. People had that aha moment like, oh, I see this person in a whole new way because I think there's always been some sort of wall in between me and and people and in really connecting with them because I've always kept such a big part of myself hidden. And so as soon as I opened up that first time, I felt that true connection that is so that has been so hard for me to establish just growing up because there has been that barrier I've set up for myself and ever since that first opening up I feel so much more understood not only from the stuttering community but people I've known my whole life they they just they see me for me, like it just, it's, it was a very life-changing moment. And I just wish that upon everyone, whether you stutter or not to experience that sense of like, that you're really showing yourself unapologetically. And one of the goals for passing the local resolution in San Francisco to for the city to recognize the second week of May as National Stuttering Awareness Week was giving that moment to other people who stutter in my community. And every single stutter that spoke at that um, rally at City Hall, they they were on that podium, they shared their story and the stuttering community was behind them. I, I gave them that gift and they just loved every minute of it because for a lot of them, it was the first time they were sharing about their stutter on a public stage. That's really powerful and amazing that you did that. Can you, can you talk us through a little bit about the first time that you came out and told people about your stutter and what were, you know, was this something that was building inside of you for a while where you started to feel like I need to do this? This is something that, or I want to do this and, and why, what, what were the, what were kind of the things that were happening and the reasons that you, you decided to take this, you know, bold and amazing step forward. It started with me being miserable at my previous job. So that was step one. 
I felt that I needed to have something outside of my job because it was really hard to get up in the morning. I didn't feel like I was doing work that fulfilled me. And so I always had this idea in the back of my mind that I wanted to do some creative project. And I had a few, I had this like mapping project I wanted to do. And I had the podcast idea and all these other like artistic expression projects that I've just been like writing down and just, I, so um, I ended up with a podcast project because Cynthia, one of my best friends, she also wanted to do a podcast. And so we decided to partner up on Proud Stutter and Proud Stutter, that idea really came from my fiance. He kind of, he's always been very curious about my stutter. He always asks about it like, oh, why do you think you stuttered so much that day versus right now? Or, you know, he's just always like very, so he, he kind of, he offered me that idea. And as soon as he said it, I was sold and I brought Cynthia on board and we started brainstorming, but I didn't really like start really solidifying proud stutter until that first moment of opening up to a group of strangers. And that was interesting because I knew part of the process of starting proud stutter was starting to open up about it in the spaces I was in. And so my first opportunity was I was in a meeting with this group I'm a part of with the, the center for story-based strategy. I, I forget exactly what type of group it was, but, um, it might've been like some narrative workshop or something. And there was a small groups portion and we all kind of went around the room and I opened up about my stutter and I just got the most amazing response. And so after that moment, I started opening up at all these other groups. I got the same response every time, just like appreciation and understanding and all that. And so those moments of opening up really solidified my commitment to starting Proud Stutter because you're a podcaster. A lot of work goes into it and it's really easy to start a podcast and then not to go through with it. So I knew I needed to build a very solid foundation of planning, strategizing, really being focused on the mission and the goals. And I think all of that planning really shows through in the podcast because it's very clear on what, what it is, who it's for and what we are trying to do. So yeah. Absolutely. Do you, just out of curiosity, do you have a marketing background? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what, what got you interested in that? So I fell into PR, public relations, right out of college. I fell into it. It really, there was no, um, it's not like I always wanted to be in PR, but I, um, it was the first job that hired me after college. So I was like, okay. And I moved to San Francisco and started my journey there. And I didn't really like it too much. Um, I switched jobs a lot. I still stayed in communications because that's kind of where my experience was, even though I didn't really like it. But I learned so many skills. Having a stutter throughout that whole time period was so hard. I had so much anxiety all the time at work because, you know, a lot you're judged a lot for how you communicate verbally. And so 
that was really tough. And I think deep, deep down that that was one of the main reasons why I didn't want to do comms anymore, because there was so much pressure to sound um, a certain way to sound professional and that, you know, you're talking about. And so I made the career switch after my last job in comms that I hated to do policy. And so now I'm in a job where I'm just doing policy and it's like, amazing it's like what I've always wanted to do and and of of course comms is it you know it's it's good to to have comms experience in any job including podcasting and I feel like because of my comms background I was really able to once I was ready to launch proud stutter and did all the heavy work ahead of time I was really able to launch it super far and wide because of those skills. So very happy. I pulled through, I, you know, I, I didn't quit. I kept going and now I'm here and it's great. Absolutely. No, that those, those, uh, marketing PR, all of that knowledge that you picked up during those years is going to go with you wherever you go, no matter what you do, it's super useful. Yeah. Do you have, what advice do you give to people who are either currently employed or who are looking for work? Maybe they're coming out of school um, and they have a stutter. Um, Do you have any advice for them as to whether they should disclose it, whether they should talk about it openly with their employer? Like, what's your take on that? My take is that it depends. Everyone is on their own journey. And while for me, it's best for me in my journey now to always disclose and to always be open about it. That wasn't me like five years ago. Like if someone would have told me that I would have been like, no way. So it's really a step-by-step journey. And I think the first step to take as someone who may be in a stage where they haven't really opened up to anyone about their stutter, that they're still kind of able to hide it. And, um, cause I, I was there like a year and a half ago, I would say that just take one small step, whether that's listening in on a stuttering support group or I don't know, listening to an episode of a podcast, reading an article to just slowly get yourself, you know, just in your own way, you can start engaging the the stuttering community and kind of see what fits well with you if if let's say you you try it and it it doesn't feel well right now just take a break maybe try again in like a month and you'll slowly slowly kind of feel out where you feel comfortable but it really it it's that first step that's the hardest and for me my first step was that idea of, of doing a a podcast about stuttering, like that gave me energy thinking about it. And then it kind of that first step in being like, I want to do this, or there's like excitement in, in me. It, it started there. And so my advice would just be take a baby step. Don't feel like you have to go all in and proud stutter could be a great entry point. There's so many people in our community that have never opened up about their stutter before. And now we have these monthly community meetings on Zoom where people can come, listen, engage, whatever. And in our first one, we had someone that spoke about her stutter for the first time in her life. And so you know, it's, it's a journey and we all, you know, are taking our own steps and so, sometimes it, it takes 
a little bit longer for for people yeah i think that's great advice so you you knew you were ready because the the idea of having a podcast and talking about you know uh living living your life as someone with a stutter and doing the advocacy and building this community that excited you so you were like aha like it's time to do something about this now exactly yeah yeah so i think i think that's great advice what you I think it's safe to say that you believe it's beneficial, right? When you look back on your life now, hiding sounds like it was more of an effort and more energy and like more of a drag being wasted, right? You had all of this anxiety around, I have to hide this, I can't tell anybody that has been released in a really positive way now that you're not doing that anymore. Yes. Like I feel like a new transformative version of myself. I, yeah. And I'm still trying to unlearn so many of the automatic responses to my stutter. Like I still catch myself when I'm about to stutter to pause and then say it again. And so there are these moments where I'm trying to be as present as I can in my speech. So I catch myself when I try to stop my stutter and I try to just stutter instead of just stopping it. Like I'm trained myself to do, I want to stutter more. So I'm not constantly trying to like overexert myself. Interesting. So with your with your stutter is there is there like a pattern or any kind of um you know when you're stressed or when things are tense like is there any pattern as to why it happens or doesn't happen or is it just something that it comes and goes as it pleases yeah it comes and goes as it pleases although there have been stressful situations where I do notice I stutter more. Usually when I'm on a podcast, I stutter more. Um, although I haven't really been stuttering on this podcast, which is interesting. Um, and then if I have like a really stressful day at work, or if I'm on a really stressful call, I'll stutter a lot. Um, but today I feel very calm like I've kind of like I've had a like stressful things have happened today but I feel calm around it for some reason and so um that sense of calm helps just because yeah that's just what I've noticed but overall my stutter is very unpredictable even I can be the most zen person or Zen mood that day. And I'm still stuttering like a lot. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly how my stuttering works, but you will notice, I say a lot of filler words like like, and, um, that's definitely a strategy that I use to help hide my stutter. I do pause a lot and yeah, like I pause mid stutter. So instead of just stuttering, I just pause and then take a breath and then try it again. So in that moment, I knew like I caught myself and I'm like, just stutter. And so uh, it's so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's life is complicated and we're, you know, we're all working through it the best we can and mm -hmm. trying to, trying to be, I don't know, better versions of ourselves or just figure out who we are even more and see the, the contributions that we want to make. Um, what is your goal for season two of the podcast? Yeah. Season two. It, I'm so excited. You guys, I've already started interviewing 
a lot of folks, including I have Gustavo on as a co-host. And what's different about season two is since Cynthia, my co-host for season one is no longer with us because, you know, she has a lot going on and this was kind of just a fun project that we did for season one. So now that I'm on my own for season two, I changed things up because one of the things my, my listeners loved about season one is that outside perspective that Cynthia brought. She asked questions as a person who doesn't stutter. And I feel like that is such a key part of helping others outside of the the, the stuttering community join in on the, the journey and learn with all of us. And so for season two, every episode of season two will have a co-host that doesn't stutter and they will help me interview our guest who stutters. So we'll have a guest for each episode. Each guest will have a stutter and talk about like a certain angle or topic around stuttering. And, um, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Season two is launching in July. It's kind of a surprise right now. What day, but towards the end of July will be season two. And I'm still not even sure how many episodes, because I feel like I keep finding a new person to interview and I'm just like, it's hard to like, stop. So we'll see. (laughs) It is. I think uh, you've said it before and I've said it too, but people don't realize how much work it is to do a podcast. It's an enormous amount of work. It's totally worth it, but I wasn't, that was the biggest thing that I didn't realize is just how much, how much work it takes to make it happen. Yeah. But once you find something that you're like, aha, this is it. It's so fun. It's like, it's such a fun, it's such a fun medium and you, you meet other podcasters too. And you're just like bonded because you just share this common artistic and creative and passion for what you do. And so, yeah, it's, I love the podcast community a lot because of that. Absolutely. You become friends with people, you become friends with, with some guests and you build these relationships and connections that you never expected before. It's great. It's a great way to meet fantastic people. Um, What, in terms of the advocacy side, what are you working on moving forward that you want people to be aware of? Yeah. So we're doing a lot. Um, in addition to season two, which is already a full-time job, just um, doing a podcast. We're also building up our advocacy program at Proud Stutter. And so the San Francisco resolution was just city number one. Our goal is to do um, another round of those for International Stuttering Awareness Day. I'm already working with folks um in denver colorado and um, a city in australia on doing some sort of local resolution for international stuttering awareness day i hope to get a few more local jurisdictions to also do something and also of course for next year's national stuttering awareness week i want to have more cities I want to help more cities do what we did in San Francisco. And so really this next year is just going to be building out that program, putting on trainings for how to pass a local resolution in your city. Um, And I mean, it's for the starting community, but if other people want to do their own holidays around their own holiday, you know, like special day, like that's you, you can apply those skills to any issue. So, um, that's going to be launching soon. As soon as I get the funding for it, 
And then I also want to do like more educational events to spread more awareness, especially across industries because stuttering and disability justice issues, they cross so many sectors like education and even like how, like how public speaking is taught and how so many things are taught and, um, like stuttering is everywhere. And so every community, whether it's climate justice or, um, ethnic groups, like every community has a stutter in it. And so I think like, if we can form a solid base of stuttering advocacy, it could really touch a lot of issues. Absolutely. And what's your, what's the pitch if you're going to a city and saying, look, you should do this. What's the the main reasons for what's the why what's the re you know why is it so important to have this past yeah I mean I think it really comes down to the community like if there are if there are people um, who stutter and they have a community there and they're ready to like put in the, the work to get a resolution to pass like that like like I said earlier, just like being in a community with your, with fellow stutters, like there's nothing more powerful than that because those in your community, like that in-person time is just, it's such a special bond. And so I want everyone across the globe to experience that sense of community with their fellow stutters right there in their neighborhoods so goal one is just like empowerment and really helping activate the stuttering advocates in their own backyard and two the awareness piece is huge like after sf passed that resolution there are so many articles that came out around that that really helped just spread awareness. And it touched a lot of people that my, my podcast hadn't touched before because a lot of people, they read news, they listen, and then they don't really listen to podcasts. So they're not able to find me, but that there's all of these different avenues to spread awareness and touch people who stutter that may not have any idea how to get involved or that there's even other stutters in their own backyard. And since San Francisco passed that, and since we've been in news articles, I've had so many San Franciscans who stutter email me and say, oh my gosh, like, I want to meet you. Let's get coffee. And so there really is that community building element that comes with doing something like that. That's a great answer. Really powerful, liberating. Um, the work that you're doing on policy right now, I, I don't, I don't know what you can talk about or what you can't talk about, but I'm curious to know. Has it helped? Has it helped you plan out this advocacy more effectively? Like, what have you learned? in working in policy that you can share with the audience about how we can go out and make things better? Yes. So in my communications experience, there was some policy and organizing things that I also learned and did. And so I was very familiar with the San Francisco political landscape. And so that really helped get the resolution passed. Um, <clears throat> I know almost all the elected officials here, so that was really helpful. But but elected officials in any community, they, I think, like most of them will be open to su supporting disability justice groups like stuttering and others. And so it's really just that 
introduction that you'll be surprised. I know it's intimidating to think about meeting with an elected official and that their staff, but they're just people, they're humans, they're they're really not that intimidating once you meet them. And so just having that first intro meeting, you could call your local elected leader, whether it's city council is probably the best place to start. Um, and just having that conversation, you'd be surprised how open they will be. And um, you never know, like use your community around you because there's probably someone among your community that has some sort of connection to someone on city council. So use those connections. That's how Denver, Colorado was able to get a commitment from their city council, someone in the community knew someone on city council. So you just never know. And I also made a local resolution toolkit that kind of lays out step by step on my website. And so in that it goes step by step. And then I also offer to um, consult with you if you have any, um, if you want to like strategize who to reach out to because it's not always obvious who the best sponsor will be there's a lot of city council members and so I could strategize with you I do have a lot of connections to, to people that do policy across the country so I'm always happy to use those those relationships and really proud stutter is both a podcast and it's also a um for lack of a better phrase, like a technical assistance arm for policy or communications or any of that stuff to help you get your issues out there around stuttering. Okay, that's really powerful and um, really interesting. So uh, yeah, I will definitely be reaching out to you um, offline for that but that's that's a really cool background that you have and and really interesting work that you're doing that I didn't wasn't aware of um what what is it and it can be one thing it can be three things it can be you know how, whatever whatever the most important things are in your mind that you wish um we'll ask the question that school teachers, what should school teachers know about teaching better for and recognizing, you know, the students who do stutter and the things that they can do to help them rather than, you know, do the opposite, which is make them feel excluded or shame them or all the, you know, the shitty stories we hear about, you know, too often. My advice, and I actually um, just interviewed a, an elementary school teacher who stutters for season two and like listen like that episode is will answer your question to a T but for this episode <coughs> for, for this I'll answer it now in my own words like creating a space in your classroom and dedicating like maybe it's once a week but having like a weekly conversation on like these different disabilities that we might be in contact with whether it's stuttering uh, you know neurodiversity like there's all of these things that we just that aren't that we aren't educated about like stuttering, you could listen to a person and not know they had a stutter, but maybe if we talked about it more, you could be, be able to understand like that and how to notice a stutter and how to support people who have a stutter. So I think teachers really have a opportunity to make those spaces for those conversations on a weekly basis, whether it's tied to National Starting Awareness Week, like having the school 
have a calendar of all these different holidays and using that as an, as an opportunity to have these conversations and, and just dedicating a little time each week to, you know, having like a moment where people can just share about that. And that might help people who have disabilities in that classroom be more open about it. And it might literally change their lives. Yep. Great answer. And if we, if we switch the question over to um, employers, what do you think they could be doing better in their places of work to recognize support? Uh, Because to me, I, I know that, you know, not everybody works this way, but as somebody who owns a small business, I really want to make sure that everybody who works with me feels like they're being listened to, feels like they're being given the opportunity to thrive as much as they possibly can, right? I don't want people to hide. I don't want people to feel ashamed. I want to actualize their potential. I want them to, and in order to do that, they have to feel comfortable. They have to feel like you're in a safe environment to do so. Yeah, for employers, it's a little similar but more specific around the first thing. The first thing I would encourage every employer to do is to ask before the interview, do you have any accessibility needs? I know there, um, I, I haven't quite worked out the exact language, but for people who stutter, having extra time in an interview is huge. 30 minute interviews just don't work for us. And so if they're, I know employers are strapped for, for time, but if they really care about accessibility, like their website says they do, they will make that accommodation. So asking if anyone has accessibility needs, maybe having a statement around, you know, here are, we, we recognize there are these types of disabilities out there. If you identify with any of them or want to talk about any of them ahead of the um, interview, we're happy to, to do so, you know, something like that. I haven't really quite landed on the exact language, but I'm sure there's someone already doing that out there. Um, but yeah, more time for interviews. So that would be like one of the the, the points I'm working on, I'm, I really want to try to develop a more, um, comprehensive kind of, um, advocacy, a push around employers and what they can do better. And that's definitely one of the the big ones. And what about when you're doing Um, I mean, you're obviously comfortable with it now. A lot of people don't, a lot of people aren't comfortable public speaking period or speaking in front of a group of people. But um, when you, when you are doing that on your job or when you are doing that in front of people, what can the employers do to make that more effective for the whole team? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the things that I've encouraged my employer to do is to make space for people or for having management or the, the leaders of the organization recognize like, like having like monthly calls where we're like recognizing all these different holidays. Like that's one place to start. Like May is speech and hearing awareness month or, or something. So having like some sort of space where we can talk about and educate ourselves around 
those types of things. And there might be staff members that want to be, be open about it, some not, but just making space for, for those types of conversations, I think it can go a long way. Um, but yeah, I don't really, it's hard because everyone's on their own journey and it's hard to really think about something that will work for everyone, but that's definitely one way and one strategy that I've been trying to get my employer to do. But at the very least, if we kind of think through the school, the answer at school and, and with the employers, it's being open to educating, being open to creating the space where people feel comfortable. If they want to share, great. If they don't, that's fine too. But it's giving them more opportunity and more spaces where there's the there's the the potential to bond and the potential to feel safe in talking about what it is that we're going through. Yep. Okay. So Maya, my last question today, or second to last question is, what have I missed in this conversation that you feel is important to talk about? Honestly, I think we covered everything. Um, I can't really think of anything else to add. I feel like we had such a great conversation and it really hit like everything that I've been thinking about wanting to share. Okay, awesome. And then lastly, how can people connect to you, reach out to you, um, find out more about you? Yeah. So the best way to find out everything, all the things is proudstutter.com. There you can find our episodes, find news articles, find our, how to sign up for our mailing list, all our social media, email, all that stuff, proudstutter.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for the time, for the energy, for doing such awesome work. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and I hope you come back. Thank you for having me.